I'd say Chris Farley and Danny DeVito, uh, Danny, Chris Farley and David Spade is probably the funniest group, I think. Though I wonder how much of that's Chris Farley. Really? Mm, like, of, yeah. of all the pairings you would put together, like if you were making a movie, comedic you'd be like, pairings. let's get Spade comedic, comedic and pairings. Farley. Yeah, really? No, there's, pairings. no. There's, there's, I mean, there's definitely. Well, Farrell and Wahlberg are much funnier. For instance. I would say, yeah. Uh, there's a, yeah see, yeah. I don't, I can't stand Farrell nowadays. But the other guys, ah, oh, such a good movie. Hey, welcome back to Even More Mashed Up. We are the pop culture podcast where uh, two professors talk about all things pop culture. I'm Alan. And I'm Patrick. And hey, Alan, do you want to tell mm-hmm. people what we're talking about today? Nope. Well, that's, don't you think that's kind of rude to not let the audience know what we're nope. talking about? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Hmm. I don't know. That just, I don't know. I just, aren't you worried that we're going to alienate our listeners by not letting them know which movie we're talking about today? Nope. I can't believe that once again, you're, you, you bring nothing to the show. Nope. That's all I got. Okay. I think it's time to probably let that one die. Yeah, yeah, it's it was an idea that sounded really good on paper, but I am I am no Laurel nor Hardy or no, Abbott who does it like one's... vaudeville era comedy. Yeah, yeah well, you pitched stuff. it as like uh, who's on first, and I thought that sounds really great, Patrick. Yeah, sounds... I did not have time, but to, it's to not. Really... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I did not have time to to really kind of throw that together. So yeah. no. who's on base? How no. old is who's on base? It's who's on first? No, good who's Lord. on first? Here we go. No, but yes, if you if you couldn't figure out from that uh, brilliant exchange opening. between myself and Alan today, we're talking about the latest Jordan Peele movie. Nope. Nope. Yep. No, we are. Right. That's what I meant. I said nope. Right. Okay. We're but, gonna we're gonna we're gonna kill this. So we're you're ready to get this. started, right, Patrick? Yep. See, there we go. So thank you. <laughs> I maybe we should at, start with the question rich was asking before we yeah, started so, and then and then i've got something i want to go to for patrick so this happens a, a couple of films not a ton but i've noticed and i don't know if it's on purpose or if it's like you know creatively someone else in production does it but like i found that some trailers especially this one seem to almost lie about what the movie's about you know in this case like when i watch a trailer especially with the sort of um the kind of scares and the uh, unnatural stuff that they showed in the trailer, like the woman with her face, you know, badly damaged, you know, mm-hmm. with some of the reactions of the characters. It felt to me almost that the film was going to be this sort of like, like they were like plagues, you know, visiting the the town or something. You know, the one shot uh, of um, like something Jupiter. Biblical. Yeah, yeah, because that one shot of Jupiter, um, uh, Jupe when he has the horse in the glass box, the way they show in the trailer, it's like some, you know, like it shows out of nowhere and it's like this weird thing. Like what's, there's this crazy, you know, cowboy with a horse in a box terror, you know, just sort of out there looking menacing. Like, you know, it's just unnatural thing of like, what, what could it be? And it's, you know, completely different context. And so for me, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead, Alan. I I was just going to say, I, I complain so much more about the other, end of the spectrum of the trailer that gives away kind of the entire movie and you see all the plot beats along the way in the trailer. I, I, I like a good trailer like this that kind of leaves me guessing. And in, in many ways, Rich, it left me guessing in ways that I'm going to lead with a question for Patrick that probably should not have come to my mind, but the juxtaposition between the trailer and what showed up got me thinking. So anyway, Patrick, what did you think about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like you, Alan. I mean, I I from what particularly with the first trailer, which was a lot of like just different sort of cuts from the film. Yeah. Um, like I I just sort of like it just looked weird, and so I had no I had no idea beyond like this just looks like a weird a weird kind of a movie. Um, Would it be fair to say though that? It is a weird movie. It is weird. Yeah, but I mean, oh, yeah, but I but I had no like, like I, some I, weird parts. I couldn't really tell from the first trailer, you know, exactly what was going on in the film. So I kind of like right. what you said, Alan. Like it was enough to to 
intrigue me, um, but didn't really give anything away. Um, and then there was an, there was a second trailer I saw that, because the first trailer doesn't, doesn't have a lot of, um, dialogue in it, as I recall. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw a second one that showed some of the exchanges between Otis and M. Um, I was like, oh, so this, you know, elements of this has sort of like a comedy vibe to it. So I was like, I was kind of intrigued with that. So. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So no, yeah, no, so I, I yeah, so the, the trailer. I mean, the trailer didn't really, um, yeah, it didn't really set up any expectations beyond kind of like trying to figure out like how, like you said, the 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 woman who kind of looks like a zombie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, and I liked the and, movie portrayed in the trailer. I was intrigued by it. I was, I think, just a bit more disappointed that like all of those elements had very mundane semi-mundane yeah I actually, I, that was actually one of the things i like because when she yeah. shows up at that was the one things i the one of the things i thought when watching the film and she shows up in the crowd at the um i forget what the the name of the event the family is. day or family whatever something. yeah and i yeah. i mean i like oh i, I like that because like oh because they set us to expect like there's going to be creepy zombie people everywhere and then no yeah. it's it's just the the it, yeah girl from so, the television so. show that got yeah. you know mauled by by the the chimp so i was like i, I, I thought that I was think... a nice bit of misdirection on their part I think whenever somebody like, like like Jordan Peele is obviously a really really smart person. Yep. And I think, you know, I, I so I don't mind it when he's doing it because I feel like there's a purpose to the misdirection in ways as well, mm-hmm. which in a way leads me to the question I wanted to ask Patrick because the thing I most remembered from the trailer was sort of the cowboy ranch kind of vibe uh-huh. mm-hmm. of the film. Like I imagined that we were entering into something that was like a Western. And so mm-hmm. the, the film opens very chaotically, not unlike everything everywhere all at once, right? Where the, it's now the bloody monkey. Like it's mm-hmm. a pretty, it's a pretty striking moment. But then we go from there to kind of what I remember from the trailer. Like we go to the ranch um, mm-hmm. and we see the frontier. Oh, I know. Yep. That, yep, yep, yep. But we very quickly realize that it, the frontier is fake, right? Yeah. That it's not, it's not like a John Wayne kind of Western that Otis Sr. and Otis Jr., like they're running a family business where they, they're training horses literally for Hollywood. And so mm-hmm. this got me thinking about you, Patrick. And I spent a lot of time when I was watching the movie focused on the idea of the frontier uh-huh. in this movie because I know you've spent a lot of time thinking and writing about the frontier. So Yipper. the setting is the frontier, or it seems to be. Right. And Mm -hmm. the frontier is this mythical American place. It's symbolic of opportunity and individualism. It's kind of seen as this crucible of the American character. If you listen to like somebody like Frederick Jackson Turner. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. The frontier is what made Americans Americans. Right. Mm -hmm. In in generally positive ways. Right. I think others have like internal you know increasingly twisted it to thinking about the negative implications of the frontier oh yeah Tur- turner um, and and your 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 you know your kind of originators of the the frontier myth kind of you know turner's the big one uh you know teddy right. roosevelt kind absolutely of into that quite a bit yep. mm-hmm. you know that yeah that they, they they see you know the frontier experience is what sort of molded us into molded us as individuals and as a country into what America is. And yeah, they, they see that as, as entirely positive. Now they do that by largely pretending that, you know, there was nobody <laughs> else there and, and particularly for Turner. I mean, that, that's one of the big differences between Roosevelt and Turner. Roosevelt, what made Americans Americans and what made in particular American men men was the conflict against the Native Americans, the indigenous right. peoples. Like it's, it's that right. savage conflict that, that Roosevelt emphasizes. For Turner, you know, there's that element of it, but he very much downplays it because he wants to cast the people that settled the frontier as your farmers. And he kind of talks right. about different waves. And one of the waves was, of course, the violent wave that came through and, you know, wiped out and relocated indigenous peoples. But he focuses on the waves after that that are, are kind of the civilizing waves. Um, right. Civilizing and, and, and kind of farmers. But yeah. again, going back to your, that original idea, yeah, the, the frontier has always been fake. Right. And, um, and so... To me, that's that was kind of the question I wanted to wrestle with a little bit, right? Is mm-hmm. if the trailer suggests like we're going back to the frontier and the frontier has, I would call them, like as you described them, kind of romantic notions. Even the way Roosevelt thought about violence, I would argue, 
was a kind of a romanticized way of thinking mm-hmm. about violence and what it meant for us. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, plays forward into John Wayne films, you know, like these, it's, it's a, a romance with the West that, that lasts for a long time and erases indigenous people. And in many mm-hmm. ways erases Mexicans and erases yeah. um, African-Americans. But so it, the movie starts. Everyone. That was oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so well, the movie, we mentioned, yeah, to, to point out, it erases everybody that was here, you know, before us. Right. Before America. Right. Right. And it continued to coexist beside mm-hmm. white Americans, right? Yep. So the movie starts by making you think it's this frontiersy kind of thing, but then immediately zooms out to show that it's actually Hollywood, like that it's mm-hmm. – it's all fakery and kind of movie magic, which got me thinking like about the ways in which the film is maybe trying to challenge these fundamental ideas of where being an American comes from. Am I reading too much into it? I guess that's my question because you're the frontier expert, Patrick. Yeah, that's that's not the direction that I went with. Um, totally fair. The frontier. I mean, because obviously, yeah, yeah the, you know, the, the frontier imagery is is there in the film. Um, for me, you know, it it um, it's really bound. It's it's hard for me to separate from what I think the movie is doing with Hollywood in general and with within kind yeah. of this. You know, there's obviously this overarching theme in the film of. Um, spectacle and and i would say exploitation right Um, absolutely and you know the frontier is another example of that kind of exploitation it's very Um, rooseveltian absolutely but we've also but i think you see you've reached the point and for me the 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 thing that really kind of drives the point home about as you said kind of the frontier being fake and that you know it only being myth is of course jupiter's claim which takes all of those elements of the frontier and turns them into an amusement park. Like the the frontier only exists in that form. It's all you know, or, or that's the clearest form of it. It's all fakery. It's all um, howdy doody costumes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's there's the yeah. guy as as um, as M's walking through. That's like, oh, we got gold here, and you know, come right. get some gold. You know, it's 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 yeah. all that kind of. And again, it's it's not even mimicking a real experience of the frontier it's mimicking the hollywood version of um the frontier so it's it's very much not to get not to get too uh you know theoretical and and baudrillard here but it's 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 several levels of simulation um beyond the real and so you know the the film i think in terms of um because one of the things i always say about turner is that you know he declares in 1893 Mm-hmm. The frontier is the grand experience that shaped Americans, that it's what made us who we are. But also, he says, the frontier no longer exists. And so, the 1890 census said, right, that this, the, yeah, the frontier yeah, the frontier is closed. Yeah. Um, and so Turner, the unspoken question at the end of Turner's essay, The Significance of the Frontier in American History, is we've been defined as a people, if you, if you accept his premise, we've been defined as a people in a country by the frontier experience. Yeah. What happens to us once that's gone? And there's there's lots of works that kind of, I think, deal with and, and the idea of the frontier as kind of a dead end. And but, so, that's where, but that's also where Jupiter's claim is really interesting, right? Because we yeah, don't well, that, give that's, up the that's frontier. That's where I was going is to, is to yeah, say that. Yeah, we just that, simulate that, it. Yeah, that, 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 that's the point I was going to, is, is that Sorry. in this film, the frontier is very much that dead end. And all there is is a kind of recycling and simulation and in that sense kind of an exploitation of this thing that no longer exists and and really only ever existed in myth right not unlike something like westworld right which is playing with similar kinds of themes and the the why is it that we still as americans feel so compelled to try to return to yeah that that frontier or at least the what we imagine to have been yeah, or try to find new frontiers. You know, there's, there's. I mean, obviously, you know, JFK the and shot. Reagan, yeah, yeah, yeah. All both used kind of frontier imagery. You know, one for the Cold War, one for the one for space race. But mm-hmm. you know, sort of talking about the frontier, at, trying to find new frontiers, and then you know, in in the 21st century, you've got the internet um, and cyberspace as the new frontier, and oh boy, you know, Star Trek as, as the, you know, space as the, the final, final frontier. Like yeah. we're, we're all, another thing that runs throughout kind of 20th century 
literature is the effort to kind of reimagine frontiers and find new ones because, you know, if that's what defined us, we need to find something else, which obviously gets into issues of, of imperialism and, and, you know, cultural For sure. appropriation and whatnot. But yeah, I, I think in this and, film, it's, it's not, it's not the most obvious theme of the film. Right. Um, but, but I think it's this is with that idea that, of spectacle. That, that, yeah. That, that ties kind of some of the, I, I, I think again, it's, it's, Kind of like what we talked about with everything, everywhere, all at once. This is a film that thematically, for me, works on any number of levels. Like that that idea of spectacle and exploitation. I think mm-hmm. you know Peel is is kind of exploring that and critiquing it in in multiple ways. One of those ways is, I would say, via kind of the frontier uh, aspects of the film. Yeah, well, just you know, there's a reason why Frederick Jackson Turner became kind of a rock star in 1893, mm-hmm. you know, and historians really never become rock stars. It turns out it's yeah. not because he did good history. I think it's because he wrote something that connected to Americans in a really profound mm-hmm. way that, yeah. I mean, we're still, we're still wrestling with. Yeah. Well, and, and Turner, I mean, later. Turner's frontier thesis became how American history was taught for like the next 50 plus years. So like, you know, again, kind of, of, his kind of rock star status. I mean, he, he kind yeah. of shapes, you know, going into the first half of the 20th century, how we like to think about ourselves yeah. um, as a people and our history. So like there's no underestimating, you know, the power of that, that frontier thesis, which, which still holds us today. You still see politicians and um, other types 100%. of using that frontier imagery. Um, Cause it does, you know, the frontier, the cowboy is, is, one of, if not the quintessential American, um, you know, at least for men, figure. Um, absolutely. And, yeah, and ab- all of those absolutely. things. St- and again, it's important to know, I mean, kind of thinking about, and there's another place where you can think about, you know, how the frontier ties into kind of the, the, the critique of Hollywood in Nope. Yeah, um, and so maybe... It's maybe the way would... in, it is the way in which blacks are absented from both. Yeah, I, I, maybe this is a good place to kind of spin forward from the frontier to you were yeah. talking about um, spectacle and exploitation mm-hmm. and maybe thinking about other ways in which the film is playing with that kind of theme. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about the way in which African-Americans are erased from from Hollywood? I mean, I, 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 I can talk about it in terms of the film. If you want to talk yeah. about it more historically, then. I mean, no, no, I, I think I, in terms I, of the film, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's one of the things I find really interesting about about the film, um, because you've you've and again, it focuses on you know M and Otis and their family, you know, the way in which that the film kind of positions them as descendants of, you know, the first person to ever appear in the first, um, you know, film, uh, right? What you have the, mm-hmm. the 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 black jockey riding the horse, right? Um, and so, you know, their family is assuming you accept that, that not, that's just not part of, of their hustle. Um, but you know, their family is positioned as sort of at the origin point of, of Hollywood. And Mm -hmm. when we get to the present day of the film, we see them very much marginalized within it. You know, for me, it's kind of, you know, Otis is do Otis Jr. I should say is doing what he can to kind of keep the family business going, but he's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not, it's not going well. He's having to sell off the horses. He's, he's very much sort of on, on the margins. And then the counterpoint to that is M who is, as I said before, like she's just got to constantly hustle um, to, to make a a living. You know, there's that line about, I think it's, it's um, Jupe that says something about, you know, that he's among Hollywood royalty or somewhere someone refers to them as Hollywood royalty because of their connection to um the the jockey figure and yet they're not mm-hmm. part of the present day Hollywood royalty they're they're on the margins of it you know so oh, they're, that, they're, that yeah, they're, they as a family and blacks more generally have been a part of they are they are marginalized within it their their position in the industry is completely tenuous mm-hmm Right, like they like on the set, they are at the absolute bottom of the food chain in terms yeah. of, and and you know, and, and the the set we see, they're immediately kind of fired. Yeah. So so yeah, I think that that kind of erasure is is definitely worth thinking about mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah, I, and I, I 
in, in some ways, it's probably one of the um, one of the clearest, I think, critiques um, in the film is, is kind of that 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 you know the the, the way in which um, blacks are marginalized within Hollywood. And you know, from the the work of a historian like um, Donald Bogle, that whatever roles existed for for African Americans early in the film industry were very quickly sort of run out of the film industry and replaced largely by blackface actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, there is this complete kind of erasure. I wonder, how do you think Jupe fits into that? Right, because he's also, you know, a, um, a person of color. He's an Asian American. Mm-hmm. actor um do you see the film making the same kinds of arguments about his erasure as it is otis and m yeah jupe i don't know jupe is jupe as a figure in this film mm-hmm. there's just some really interesting like I, I'm, I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around him yeah um because there's i mean there, him there, and, there's so oh, much about him that also i think as, as we find out in the film seems to stem from trauma uh, that's in, mm-hmm. that's that's the word I've got in my notes for Jupe that I yeah. wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah, because so much of it's tied into Gordy and that whole yeah situation we see in the beginning of the film, and it keeps coming back to so much of what. But it also never tells you like you know there's still the whole gap of time from like when he was like what ten or something till like now that we don't know anything about, so we don't know. Yeah, you know, I yeah. you assume he's not in any other shows. You assume he wasn't cast in other stuff because he never talks yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, it. in in that right. he makes an interesting parallel to the the real life of uh, um, experience of um, uh, the actor that played Waymond in Everything, Everywhere, All in Once, who had yes. great success yeah. as, a, as a child star and then is only now able to yeah. come back. There's there's ways in that that, that you know uh, you know I'm just thinking this right now that 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 Jupe kind of fits that mold without the comeback. Like this this is the best Jupe can do. Right. Um, is is running sort of of Jupiter's claim and kind of trading on, um, both that and because that, that's the other thing. I mean, clearly Jupe is one of the figures in the film, um, that is most responsible for for the exploitations and spectacle, right? Um, and yet there's also there's the trauma. There's the fact that in 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 the way that I kind of read the film he learns kind of the completely wrong lesson from about, the yeah. scene with Gordy. Like, 100%, when he does the, yeah. like when he does the fist bump, he kind of assumes that, you know, oh, he still has, you know, Gordy may have just, you know, maimed and or killed a whole bunch of people, but he's got some sort of special connection with them. Yeah, um, he can tame them. He can, yeah. Uh, what, well, I, I, I mean, oh, and that's the other thing too, is there's so much language about taming in this film, yeah. right? which was another yeah. thing that made me think of the frontier. Cause that, that was another way that the film plays on that frontier imagery yeah. of kind of that idea of taming things. So yeah, Jupe is, he, he's, he's a very complicated. I almost kind of um, wish the movie was more about him almost because it almost seems a bit more interesting, you know, kind of interesting about like what, you know, to see that process from like the incident till he, Jupiter uh, claim to see what his life was like. Yeah. Well, I think it, it oh, works I, in I some think of the same so, ways. I, I, for me, it works in some of the same oh, yeah. sorry, Go ahead, Alan. I, to me, that's the erasure though, that, that Patrick yeah, kind of intimated and I think, you know, like yeah. I don't care for child actors and that fist bump scene he has yeah. with the chimp is like, it's, it's disturbing. But to me, mm-hmm. um, another way in which kind of jupe gets erased is that trauma gets funneled through mainstream American culture into humor, right? Mm. Jupe can't talk about that moment with yeah. M and Otis oh, yeah, no. in any kind of meaningful way. They're like, what really happened? He's like... Oh, if you really want to know, you ought to go watch, you know, SNL because Catan thing, like yeah. really, yeah. really nailed it. And then he shows them like I love that. Then he showed you know, them I, the yeah. Mad Magazine, you know, both mm-hmm. of which are turning what was obviously, you know, an incredibly violent and traumatic moment into mm-hmm. um, like this kind of insensitive humor. But but it's a humor that serves to erase Jupe, right? It's a humor that erases his trauma. It's a way for us to kind of like process it in a way that doesn't mean anything, but makes his lived experience insignificant in understanding it, which to me, Rich, is why it makes total sense that the movie is like, we're not going to learn anything else about this guy. Because the point is like the industry 
and pop culture erases Jupe and Asian Americans just the same way that it's erased, you know, the Haywood family from its history. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you can even say that, like, the only reason he even got the role, um, I don't know what his role was called, on Gordy, but, like, the only reason he got it was because he was almost, like, the sort of token person to be on that show back in the day because he was a cute kid, you know? Like, they might have cast him as an Asian kid simply because it's like, oh, and he'll be, you know, this sort of unique part, not that he was a good mm-hmm. actor or that they generally wanted, you know, that person on there. Well, back you know, then, back right? When, Back yeah, then, especially back then, especially yeah, that would have been That's, kind of the multicultural solution to mm-hmm. inequality yeah, you know, the, and the, representation. The token like, as, right, as to, long as we bring, oh, look, we're good. As long as we bring, you know, Jupe on the show, mm-hmm. we've we've got it covered. And yeah. anything that, that box, happens, you know, that anything that happens to yeah. him, or you know, anything that doesn't happen to him in the aftermath of you know the Gordy massacre, like we're, we're not concerned with any of that. Like our only nope, concern nope. is with kind of that that tokenized representation. Yeah. And so in that way, you know, it's a way in which people of color can get erased even when they're still seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if we don't see the they're, Haywoods. They're just there to fill a quota. Right. We do see Jupe, but we don't really mm-hmm. see Jupe, you know, because yeah. if you really saw Jupe, you wouldn't find the Mad Magazine funny. If you really saw Jupe, you sure as hell wouldn't write a Saturday Night Live sketch about, you know, a chimpanzee losing its mind and killing and or maiming who knows how many people before it's shot and put down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, Which makes is, the inclusion again, of um, the, uh, the, the, the female actress that got maimed by Jupe, or not by Jupe, by Gordy. Yes. Um, it kind of makes mm-hmm. the inclusion of her in the 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 scene because she, I mean, she's not mentioned as even being still alive up until that point. Right. Yeah. Um, I assume. Yeah. yeah she I just, assume she was dead. Yeah, and then she just shows up. But it's interesting to kind of think about the way in which that that she wears that trauma very visibly. Right. Um, which counter which counters the way in which the Jupes is 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 mm-hmm. invisible. You know that right. that his trauma is not visible, and that's another way that that. It's kind of a, of erased, and a, and a moment that that again just makes kind of a, a the the kind of jarring suddenness of her presence, um, you know, right. I think is in some ways can be can be interpreted as kind of making the point that that you know she manifests her trauma visually, whereas Jupe, you know, sort of disguises his. Right, which kind of feeds back into the conversation we had about the model minority when we talked about everything everywhere mm-hmm. all at once, like. Jupe seems like the model minority, right? Went through incredible trauma early in his life, but has kind of built a business and what seems to be economic success around him, right? He can buy the Haywoods horses. They're the ones that are struggling economically, right? Right. He's he's doing quite well economically, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, from an outsider's perspective meant to show or, or meant to signify to us we don't need to worry about him or Asian Americans because they're all doing fine. Which again, yeah, except obviously another kind film, of erasure. Yeah, and it, and again, something that the film very much you know undercuts because obviously we find out for sure. Yes, you know he's buying the horses just to keep feeding them to the creature, um, and that's why he then that's why he offers to buy the ranch. Um, because it's, it, it, it's also, God forbid, if he doesn't want the Haywoods to know what's happened to the horses. Yeah, well, because that's the thing, like, Otis Jr. brings up, you know, mm-hmm. I want to buy back some of the horses. And that's when Jupe immediately says, oh, well, you know, the deal for me to buy the ranch is still, he completely deflects right. from it. Because obviously the horses right. can't be bought back because they've all been eaten. Though right. I will say, yes. it's been six months. You'd think that Otis would check in on one of the horses once in a while. I just feel like the creature's getting hungrier, too. But that's like a... a side point you know it's like he's getting yeah it's too used to eating but maybe jupe is a good way as we're talking about the horses to kind of then shift to the next topic that you guys brought up which was the the theme of kind of taming wild animals or i would define Mm -hmm. it more broadly kind of taming the frontier yeah 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 thinking like or even just thinking you have power over it sort of i think taming the frontier is a more like makes more sense from like the stuff you were talking about i think it's in entirely rich a case of peel trying to point out our hubris like the idea oh yeah the idea that we can tame the frontier which is again i know that i'm reading this film too narrowly but i 
blame Peel's trailer for making me think this way. You know, that theme that, that we could tame the frontier, that we could take that frontier experience and make it what we want it, it to be, is just not true. That the frontier has left us with at least as many negative consequences as it has mm-hmm. positive consequences. That we we can't tame it and that our pop culture can't tame it, which I guess Jupe discovers when he gets eaten, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I think for me, what I, you know, I, and this, like I said, this is where I see kind of, you know, the frontier being one facet of yeah what the film is doing. Because the other thing that I think the film does, I mean, you know, there, there's obviously the whole thing about, you know, as we said, exploitation of the frontier. There's obviously the whole thing of exploitation and spectacle with Hollywood. Right. Um, but there's also, for me, a, a almost quasi-environmental theme in that yeah. it's 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 not just about the frontier it's about our kind of arrogance in thinking that we mm-hmm. can tame and control nature absolutely because that's what happens with gordy that's what happens with the creature yeah. um is you know the, these are things not of um you know the human world they're they're part of the 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 animal world for lack of a better term and kind of of the way in which the film kind of shows humans as repeatedly not respecting um and outright mm-hmm. disrespecting the natural um because you see it in you see it in the commercial scene i mean the reason yeah. that that otis gets fired is because nobody's listening to him or am right. about the safety precautions and they're not um you know they're not respecting the horse i think i think otis even says something about that about kind of having to respect um the horse um and so there there's kind of this for me it struck more of a um uh, like i said an environmental theme in terms of we kind of assume in our as you said alan our hubris our arrogance that we can control nature which is exactly what jupe yeah. is doing he thinks because he's feeding this creature right um that you know he's able to control it and and clearly you know in, in the end he's he's not Right, Gordy's going to lose his shit at some point, and it's just how it's going to be. It's yeah, gonna, yeah. So, and, and the creature so, loses its shit. Right. What makes what makes it scarier for me? Because you can look at that, you know, creature and be like, "All right, well, that's just make believe." Or you can look at a chimpanzee and be like, "I'm not going to be around chimps a lot in my life. Like, I'm probably going to be okay." But one of the trailers that sh- that ran before I watched um, Nope was the upcoming film on Robert Oppenheimer and the creation of the atomic. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. That was and, fine too. Oh, yeah. And kind of like, it, it can, like you watch that trailer and then you watch a movie that kind of one of the main themes is human beings have this incredible overconfidence in the way mm-hmm. in which we can tame and control nature that we can, we can use nature for our own purposes. And just watching the Oppenheimer clip before this kind of really makes you sit up on your seat and go, Holy like we're in like this is like just what we see in nope with literally a huge monstrous alien that eats a few people is barely scratching the surface of what we actually think we can do yeah oh yeah well, well, we, we as humans are addicted to the idea of controlling this because we can't it's not even something as arrogant as it's we just keep wanting to poke we can't not ask the question well what if i do this what if i do that can i get it to do this you know it's like we don't have, as a species, the ability to stop and like let something be. There's always going to be some subset that's like, well, what if you did that? You know, and we always look back on the positives of like we invented electricity, we invented this because we kept asking, you know, what if? But then we also made the atom bomb, we made biological weapons, we made things that killed a lot of people. Yeah, well, it's it's the Jurassic Park lesson, you know. Yeah. Uh, just because we just <laughs> yeah, just literally... because we can do it doesn't mean we should, or or whatever right. the you know, or, or whatever the, yeah. the Ian Malcolm like, says, you know, you were so yeah. busy trying to figure out how you could do it that you didn't figure out if you should. Right. But that yeah. actually raises a, a question I have for you, Alan. Yeah. Um, because that's one of the places where the film got a little bit thorny for me. Mm, okay. Is the extent to which the film implicates Otis Jr. and M in that critique because they're they're running the horse farm right which is which is kind of you know it it is part of i mean they're at least complicit with the exploitation there right they're the ones that piss off the creature 
by feeding it they the do? thing it doesn't like. Yeah, that's what that's what gets the creature. Well, it enraged. is their greed, right? Well, wait. What do that, you mean? You mean the 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 horse statue? The horse statue and the flag. That's and what, the flags, that's what right, makes that the creature angry. Yeah. Prior it, to that, the creature's just hanging out for its 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 you know weekly meal from Jupe. But after that, the creature is is you know hungrier because we're and more aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so and and it was well, one of the things that, that I found really odd. You know, particularly given the end of the film, because there's this great heroic moment where you know both M and and Otis Junior survive, and Otis Junior shows up on the horse. Right. But their entire plan is to take the photo that they have of the creature and exploit it for no. their financial yeah, gain. But, but like, Patrick, that's, through, oh. that, sorry, no, Rich, on. just real quickly. That's what I found. Oh, I found so interesting. There was a moment where they're sitting around a table after like the crusty director has agreed to come and they're figuring out how they're going to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And Angel, right, the guy from the, the electronics store. The fries, yes. Which is fries, an actual yes, fries right. store, yes. by the way, that yeah. apparently yeah, was abandoned. I was, I got that. Yeah, that's, I got that reference. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so he asks towards the end of the film, is there sitting around the table? I can't remember the exact quote, but he says, mm-hmm. we're doing this for quote unquote good, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He, he says, this'll, this'll like, save I know there's going to be, I know there's going to be some money. I know there's going to be some fame. He says, but like he, it's really important to him that they're doing it for some higher purpose too. He's right. Like we're going to save some lives, right? This isn't just about like, that that poor TMZ guy who shows up, who doesn't care if he's dying, just wants to get filmed, right? Like he's in it. I just, thought that was a little. It was a little funny how, but he's, crazy he was about yeah, that. It was almost a little. Uh, well, it's a. I think it's a satire, right? Of yeah, it was, of it was society, it was so right? Extreme. That it was like yeah, all that matters to it, us is was, fame and money, and so. But yeah. to get back to is Angel wrong, real quickly, right? Angel is, is wrong, saying, though, that I, oh. "Yeah, go ahead, Patrick." I'm just saying, is it wrong though that when he went flying off the bike, I laughed out loud. No. Oh, I, I thought it was a lot. I think, I thought I think he a, wants you I to laugh I thought it was really convenient it, that he had an but, e-bike and not a regular bike. But so, but just real quickly to get back to Angel. Yeah. He's he's pointing something out, Patrick, that I think Peel is saying about Otis and M mm-hmm. pretty directly in a couple of ways. You've pointed out a couple more indirect, but Angel kind of yeah. asks the three of them sitting with him at the table, like, this is for some higher calling, right? We're not just doing it for the money and the fame. And it seems like none of the others had actually thought about that idea to this point. Yeah. Like, they, they all react with a moment. Feel right, they, they, like it hangs the there just silently for a moment. And I think Peel wants audience members to feel that silence and to realize we have been rooting for Otis and M. Mm-hmm. as they pursue self-interested and as you point out Patrick exploitative yeah. um you know ends and means you know like like what what do they want they want the oprah shot like mm-hmm. they want the cash that's going to come from them exploiting this creature and it might be that that Otis understands the creature better than Jupe but does that really make for a better exploitation i mean i think that's a moral question that's pretty easy for me to answer at least. And yeah, so it's just, for I, me... Yeah, oh, sorry, I like the... I was, just, was going to say, I like the thorniness, Patrick. I like that Otis and M weren't just pure heroes in this film, but they are yeah. implicated in problems as well. Yeah, or I humans. think for me, yeah. the heroic ending, particularly of Otis on the horse, um, yeah. is, is maybe just a little bit too much maybe kind of grading against that a little bit too much because we're clearly I, supposed it, it, to. Yeah, but, it's but kind of confusing. Can I argue it's against that for of... a minute, Patrick? Sure. If, now again, I know I've read this movie much too narrowly from the beginning. I fault Peel for this. But if <laughs> you you accept my argument that he's trying to, to demonstrate like the fakery of, the falsity of that frontier image and that mm-hmm. frontier experience having the hero show up on horseback at the end is it could be read as kind of an over the top satire as well that mm-hmm. you're getting this ending but we all know because we learned at the very beginning of the film that these hollywood endings are all faked you know what did the red hot chili yeah. peppers saying like space might be the fun, final frontier but it's made in a hollywood basement right like that scene of him on the horse like th- this film is such a meditation on cinema. It's such a like a reflection oh, yeah. on how do we make films and what does filmmaking mean and what do we use filmmaking for that I think by the time you get to the end, for me at least, 
that like seeing the lone cowboy hero sitting on a horse is only meant to like make me ask a bunch of questions about what seems like I agree with you way too pat romantic and happy an ending. Yeah, I think my worry is and and mm-hmm. again it's similar to what my my concern with with everything everywhere all at once uh, yeah. and the way that that ended is mm-hmm. that you can also walk away from this film um not asking those questions and just kind of be like, "Oh, the good guys won," you know. Right. Yeah, it's the plucky underdog story that that, you know, Otis and M and, and Angel yeah. are going to be successful. Like you can, and so just like in in with everything, everywhere, all at once. I wish there was something. Because yeah. I, I agree with you that that's certainly there to be pondered. But I think the ending leaves both possibilities kind of open in in a way that I, I maybe I wish there was yeah. something kind of undercutting yeah. that heroic moment just a little bit more at the end. Well, in um, some ways, I, I hear what you're talking about, Patrick, is is the debate that Vicky and I have long had about The Wolf of Wall Street, which I see as a film that's critiquing kind of mm-hmm. Wall Street capitalist culture, especially in the 80s and the 90s, right? But yeah. Vicky always argued, yeah, but most people who went to see the film weren't paying attention to the critique. They were just seeing like yeah. how much fun it was to work in yeah. like a cocaine fueled misogynistic stock brokerage. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so like in some ways I think to to appreciate Peel's film, you have to want to think about film. Right. That if you if you if if you go in thinking that it's just like a monster movie, that yeah, I agree with you that that you run the risk at the end of the film mm-hmm. of audiences kind of being like, Oh, happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, in my, I'll admit, I was kind of confused during the film as to what the themes were. Like I got some of the exploitation and like the Hollywood stuff, but like, especially near the end when the, when the, the cinematographer shows up, like, and again, I felt like it's, everyone's acting like all heroic and it's like, all you're doing is taking a photo of it. I assumed there'd be like an after credit scene where it shows like, you know, the military seeing the photo or something so that it implied, you know, now they know the existence of these creatures or something. Yeah, I guess. To Rich, give but... it more purpose. I'm not saying I, it just should have been. Right. But, but I agree they... with you that it, I agree with what you're saying that, you know, they, these are, they're doing, they're also exploiting the creature, you know, they're caught up in this. I guess it never felt strong enough. Yeah. That it all just felt a little... I almost kind of wish the monster was in the movie. Like, I feel like mm. there are a lot of these other elements that you were talking about that you see before the monster becomes significant that gets almost taken away from with the monster. Yeah. Because now we have to ask questions about the monster and, like, all the physicalities of that, of, like, is this the only one? Is it, you know... Right, right. But introducing it... it pulls away from I think all that stuff. Yeah, but like your your point about like wanting a post credit scene of like the government showing up or whatever. One of the things that I thought was really striking about this movie that I want to at least mention. I know we only got so much time. So I want to at least this seems like a logical place to throw it in is that when all of this stuff starts going down, nobody ever stops to think like should we call the cops or the government or should you know we get Mulder and Scully on the phone? Or you whatever. think the government would have showed up already when well, 40 people disappear. Right, but to, like to me, it totally makes sense. Like, what would Biden do to make the situation better? What would Trump do to make the situation better? Even more so, if you're an African-American family trying to scratch out your own independence, like, why would you turn to authority to fix mm-hmm. anything? So in a way, them not turning to authority made sense. But to Patrick's point... It also seems to leave them complicit in kind of capitalism in ways that makes the movie kind of thornier than your typical monster movie might be. Yeah, well, it's interesting to think about. I hadn't thought about the idea of, you know, the government slash authority in the film until you just mentioned it, Alan. But it's something to think about how, you know, is it saying something? Does that tie into the whole kind of spectacle and emptiness that there is no authority um, anymore. That it's it's all, it's all, I mean, maybe it's just, it's, it's all just the um, morality of capitalism 
and thus you know that that's what really kind of controls things that there's not there's not a human authority right but um, but, but that Patrick functions. that's what that's what we celebrate about the mythical frontier right like part of what made us mm. great it was the absence of authority was that yeah. was that white frontiersmen moved into the frontier and like carved it out themselves right mm -hmm. like there there, yeah, there the wasn't of the frontier yeah that that freedom of the frontier you know and i think peel's movie might push us to think about the way in which that freedom was never really free at least not for everybody and mm -hmm. that in fact it was as capitalist as the frontier is presented in nope it's we just yeah. pretend like it wasn't we pretend like it was something different yeah, well, and it's another thing to kind of think about in terms of uh, another maybe sort of subtle critique, and maybe this sort of of works with Otis Jr. and M mm -hmm. is you know they're all complicit with the those those capitalist values of you know sell whatever you can sell, right? Um, and so you know the the what they can do you know the the only option they have is to try to take advantage of the system that they're, you know, sort of wrapped up in anyways. Right, right, which makes them still complicit in a way. Like, it may not be a totally yeah. chosen complicity, yeah. but, like, it, it, in that way, we're all complicit, right? Yeah, well, and, and, and in that way, there's no real morality in the world of the film. Um, it's, all, it's all sort of a morality of the market. Almost as if capitalism, right, pretends that there is a morality in the market, right? Yeah. Like that, that supply and demand provides us with some kind of of moral solution yeah. to human well, even relations. Even the way the film makes us want to think that, you know, Otis and M are good, right. um, but Jupe is bad. Um, right. But in but ultimately they're all they're all doing you know the same thing and and in some ways for the same reasons Jupe is just as as we talked about he's just as marginalized, um, mm -hmm. you know and and you know his his sort of hustle is not terribly different from M's um, hustle right. that we at least get a, get a little bit of a hint at I mean I mean again he's it a thief like and she's thing. a thief so yeah. there there's not a great deal of difference between them. Um, you know, you know, maybe even kind of of the film in its own way, gesturing towards the way we tend to turn minorities against each other, as opposed right. to you know the systems that that are exploiting them or marginalizing right. them. Right. That that you get so caught up in the system and you get so deprived in the system yeah. that you no longer see the system as the problem. Like you're because you're mm -hmm. worried about putting food on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's a, a grim ending. Well, I guess it was a fairly grim, grim film in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it 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 was an I found it an interesting film in terms of like it started off as kind of, kind of this mash of of like sci-fi horror and and kind of you know a, a film like Signs in some ways where you know there's yeah. the alien presence but you're not really seeing it. Yeah, which and I kind of like. And, and, and then it goes full bore into like just kind of a very kind of 1970s sci-fi mm -hmm. close encounters kind of vibe at the end. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it, it's an interesting mashup of, of kind of horror and um, um, science fiction, which I found interesting. One of the things I found interesting was the, the one moment that, that, you know, kind of freaked me out was the moment early on where Otis encounters the kids dressed up as aliens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the way those scarier. kids move, totally uncanny. Yeah, it was all that yeah. freaked out. I, I, I was like, I was like, oh, hell no, this is this is not. I was honestly disappointed yeah. that there was just the kids because, like, that was such a great moment. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I actually, I kind of enjoy the fact that the, the again, in a, in a film that's all about it, that the greatest, kind of the, the most suspenseful kind of horror moment is a moment of complete fakery. Right. Yes. In, so, in Patrick, the, yeah, that, that freaked me out. Speaking of like horror and science fiction, for my fair file, one of the things I brought was an article on Time that said, you know, like people don't agree what this movie is about or what this movie is. And we've mm -hmm. talked about a lot of the different versions. Time said some people think it's a monster movie. We talked about mm -hmm. that a little bit. Uh, Parable of the Power of Cinema. We've talked a lot about cinema and filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Um, a critique of surveillance culture. We haven't talked about that a lot, but I think you oh, can see it. Yeah. You could see it in there and on different levels. Mm -hmm. You know, the monster surveils us, but we're buying yep. all the surveillance equipment. 
um, black historical documentation we talked about and capitalism we talked about. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be maybe that the film is all of those things. Like, what do you think? Do you think it's one of those things, some of those things, none of those things? I th- I would probably lean towards it's it's all of those things. Um, yeah. That as, as, as we've just spent, you know, what, an hour, close to almost an hour talking about all of these things that the film is doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's the brilliance of Jordan Peele as, Ag- as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, this is, again, I mean, you know, this this is, you know, in comparison to his other, as his, I mean, all, all three of his films have been successful, have been, um, you know, critically and, and publicly acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think this is the one that that maybe seems to have not quite resonated with the public as I, I, much. Yeah, agreed. As as Get Out. Yeah, can um, I can I drop a fair or foul in there? Oh, sure. Yeah, if you've got because one. It, it, it's it's directly to the point you're making. So a guy named Mark Kermode. That's really his mm-hmm. name, Mark Kermode, from the Guardian. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I tried to find a more negative review because it was a film I really liked. So I wanted to kind of wrestle with somebody who didn't yeah. like it as much. And he, so he says, it's an elliptical and sometimes frustratingly paced yarn mm. about our habit of staring and stupefaction at danger, disaster, and trauma. He then mm-hmm. goes on to conclude, it's a better movie to argue about than to watch. Hmm. And we've just I spent an hour that. kind of talking about it and arguing about it. Do you think that's yeah, well, a, clearly that, with the plot much clearly at all? Clearly, that part of it is fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's well, and again, I think I think that goes back towards some of the like '70s science fiction mm-hmm. vibes that it has. You know, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind or um, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Like it, it, it's got some of that vibe where you know. It's a very smart film, um, but not one that's necessarily easily digestible. I think to his credit, Get Out was very, very easily digestible in terms of, you know, what it was doing with horror, what it was doing thematically. Like, like you know, that film right. was very, I think, clear in what it's doing. This film it's, is very, is very complex. Right, because Get uh, Out is Get Out is much the, more focused, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. it has a particular theme. That it wants to pursue, well, I, and here yeah. there's and so much think, more going on. There is, yeah. yeah. I also think that, like, because the other two films, and again, even with us, I've seen seen it. They want quote unquote like this that monster element in it. You know, there's horror elements, and there's mm-hmm. different. But I think, especially with this one, once you bring in that monster, then it like changes. You know, you have to explain certain things, or you know, people start asking too many questions about like, well, how do the monster work and stuff. You know, to get out. It's just a group of people with this like whole scientific process. Like it's much easier to explain away how no one knows about it or whatever. And with us, it's you mm-hmm. know people in a bit of a remote area and stuff when it's happening. Um, I well, think with this one, it's like it's not again. I liked the, the you know it was entertain. I was entertained when I watched it, but afterward I I kind of left like not caring too much about some of the main plot. And much more about like the specifics, like again with Jupe and how trauma was like with him, and how like those specific elements. I could have, like, I don't care too much about like the main plot of like them getting the photo, or whatever. It was more about like what it meant than actually watching it. Well, I, I, I guess for me, like that's this is one of the reasons I love movies. I mean, not that I don't love a good, you know, MCU kind of on the edge of your seat kind of action adventure, but like this is a film. That I don't know. The further away I get from it, and the more I hear y'all talking about it, the more interesting it kind of becomes to me. Because I think, yeah, I think there's a lot going on here. But I, I also read somewhere that Peel wrote this film as people were worried about like the future of cinema, like amidst the COVID mm-hmm. pandemic, and how do you get people in seats and whatnot. Yeah. And you know, like some critics, I think, see this movie fairly in some ways as kind of a you know an homage to. Like some of the stuff you've talked about, Patrick, like, you know, like a classic 70s kind mm-hmm. of sci-fi film or, you know, in some ways a horror film or a supernatural film. Yeah, it's, all, it's got kind of a mix, a mix of that. Yeah. And, it, you know, maybe maybe it has I think it would be it would not be an unfair critique to say it might have so much packed into it. That yeah, it can overwhelm but, a little bit. 
Yeah, well, that, so again, I mean, there, there's I a lot have... going on in the film. I mean, it's just kind of thinking about the narrative of the film. You know, we make yeah. multiple jump cuts back and forth to the Gordy scene. Right. Um, there's the title cards with each of the horses' names on it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which, which you know, sort of are, are clearly being used as, as some kind of structural device. Yeah. Um, that there's, yeah, there, there, it's a film with a lot of moving parts. Um, and I think almost from the get, and, and it's a film, and, and, and it's a film that does not explain things to you. I think, I think to right. the very beginning, Absolutely. when you get sort of this, you know, we see Otis Sr. get killed, and then there's the shot of the, the quarter or the nickel or whatever it was that's on the yeah. wall. yeah. And the film doesn't spell it out in any way, but that's the nickel that killed him. Right. Um, but that's something that the film leaves leaves audiences. You know, it's not like Otis Junior ever says, "Oh yeah, that's the nickel that 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 killed my dad." Um, right. No, there's there's a yet, lot. And the, Sorry, and there's ahead, a lot of stuff like that. I think that the 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 film, um, um. The film maybe assumes the best of its audience that it doesn't need that stuff explained. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. What, the I word also, that comes to my mind, Patrick, is the film like Peel trusts the audience that yeah. this is that this is a film that doesn't see itself as just kind of imposing some kind of moral lesson or some kind of thematic story or some kind of you know straightforward narrative on the audience. Like it's a it's a film and it's a filmmaker that trust audiences to enter into a conversation with it. And I don't think we get a lot of films like that. I, I'm really happy this podcast, like the last couple of weeks we've done everything everywhere all at once and mm-hmm. Nope, both of which I think are films that, that you can enjoy maybe without thinking about too much, but the filmmakers mm-hmm. really do in fact trust you to, mm-hmm. to, to, to work things out and to wrestle with themes, you know, and Bobby always says, he hates it when people say to them, you know, like, what does your film mean? You know, Bobby would argue it's not the filmmaker's job to tell you this is what it means. It's it's your job in conversation with the filmmaker to construct meaning of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's the same thing with with literature as well. That's that's kind yes. of the idea yeah, that you see that, that that I mean, yeah. you know, the the it's um, uh, Jim Phelan uh, at Ohio State that talks about the the feedback loop between the you know the author and um the reader and that they exist in sort of this feedback loop that that right. you know the author creates the text that's a i don't know if these are his terms exactly but it's, it's a blueprint a blueprint for meaning making but the right. reader interacts with that in their own way and the meaning that the reader makes isn't necessarily going to be the the meaning that that the author um right intended or, or had in mind or, or, or whatnot. Um, hopefully I'm doing Jim justice there. Um, but yeah, I'm I think, sure I think well, and, and I think in, in mm. many ways, it's another way it's a, maybe it's getting a little too meta, but you know, for a film that is very critical of the Hollywood industry, it makes a certain amount of sense that we're not getting a film or a, a, a film that's like those typically churned out by right. the Hollywood industry. That would be super meta if it was a film that was just yeah. like. And so again, that's why the cowboy on the horse at the end, I think is is such a profoundly interesting kind of way to end yeah. it. I hear all of your complaints, like how much do we trust audiences, I guess, becomes part of the question, especially I mean, as yeah. like there's a full yeah. frontal maybe, attack on education in this country. Yeah, maybe, maybe Peel trusts audiences more than I do. Yeah, I, I think that seems clear. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I think because I mean, I could ask a million questions about the creature, you know, and about why things happened, and it's that's really the only element that I think I have issue with, and that it doesn't seem to. It, I get, the creature kept pulling me out of paying attention to the film and like noticing those little elements and the stuff. Cre- I wouldn't say the creature did that for me, Rich, except at the one point where he, the creature comes and eats Jupe and everybody who's at the show. Because that by well, that time, it's established that we can see 
you know, Jupe's arena from the Haywood Ranch. We know that they know there's something up there. We know that they've got cameras. We know they're watching. We know they're paying attention. And somehow they all get gobbled up and Otis Jr. shows up like an hour later, completely oblivious but to it. Also, because why did that happen? Is it the implied that they all looked at the, the, the whole don't look a predator in the eye thing, I think is taken to such a sort of silly degree. Well, I think it's, it's like it's, you can summon the creature by looking inside. It's not just the not looking in the eye. Keep in mind that we see a whole bunch of times that if you are in an enclosure, it doesn't eat you. Yeah. And the horse figures the horse figures out I'm not coming out of this glass box. Like I know what's going to happen. It's You're beautiful. the idiots that are out in the open right. air. The but horse is like the, the horse like is smarter, right? Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, the horse actually figures out. He's like, no, no. Like you've been feeding my, you know, my family to this thing. I've, you know, you morons. I'm not coming out of this glass box. And that and that's why they get eaten. Like the yeah. the creature's been summoned for food. And but the horse isn't there says to be the creature is yeah. early. I've got a horse brain, and I'm not you gonna know, fall. So yeah, why so was it uh, Yeah, well, because it's early because the ho- the thing's been you know the thing was fed something that that it, it didn't want, and it's grumpy. They've been antagonizing it. Yeah, it's like you yeah. wake up early because again, you ate too much pork before you went to bed. And, I don't know, and that happen you know, not it's vegan? not just the one horse that's there to eat; it sees a whole bunch of snackables. Yeah, but it's like a, it's so like it's like the golden corral is all of a sudden. But if laid we're out. if yeah. we're attributing animal like qualities to it, like. You know, again, the assumption is that, again, and we, we never get anything about it because, I mean, how would you talk about it? But, like, the assumption is that this creature existed beforehand and was attracted to um, whoever they are, Jupiter's claim, whatnot, because of Jupe, because he saw defeated, but it existed mm-hmm. before those six months. And the reason no one ever saw it was because it always attacked at night, it hid in the clouds, mm-hmm. and now it just sort of stops and just it comes out in the day all the time. Well, I think that's the line that that Otis says something about. He refers to it as a predator. And, yeah, but you know, a predator the humans is also ha- smart. Well, but that's the, but the humans have been messing with a predator, and when you when you piss off a predator, that generally doesn't end well for the prey. And you, you're uh, messing with the environment. It comes back to that hubris, right? That like yeah, we can control exactly. the environment, and you know, if massive global warming is happening, like what's really going to happen to affect us? You know, like yeah. is it going to really? Well, that's one of the things I like about yeah. the design of the creature. Because in the beginning, like when we first see it, it looks like a flying saucer. It looks like something right. that we think we understand, even though, you know, we call it an unidentified flying object as if that tells us anything. Right, um, yeah. It basically says, you know, this is a thing. We don't know what it is. It's in the air. But then it turns into something that is completely, you know, right. foreign and, and alien. Yeah, and, and I don't know why it Rich's, does that. Yeah, but to Rich's point, like I don't, I don't want to know more about the creature. I don't think. Oh no! But the, yeah. in the, in the I don't, context of the film, don't, yeah. It, and again, I don't either. Like I don't need to be, have everything explained to me. The problem is, is that like those become sort of plot points. You know, again, I could have been, I would have been happy if there wasn't a creature. Like I think you could have talked about if there were just like weird stuff happening. You know, like aliens, like something, and it still led to all that. Ta- you know look into the exploitation exploitation and stuff with Jupe and whatnot, I would have been fine because, you know, so much of the movie near the end especially hinges on what the creature and the monster is doing. It, I, the more questions pop up because it's become such more of a, a focus. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I just, if it I stayed think... mysterious, if it, if it had stayed more mysterious, almost like signs or something, you know... Then I would have been okay asking less questions because it wouldn't have been like sort of uh, the movie wouldn't look at it so much. And then I have to start asking questions like, why does it look like that shape? Why does it become a flower thing and do the little flashing pulse thing at the end, but then doesn't eat uh, OJ, but then eats the like it was perfectly fine eating people normally. And then it has to do the whole like, I don't know, ribbon dance thing at the end. And it just, you know, that happens. I have to be like, well, why? You know, I've been asking yeah. questions about the film the entire That's time looking into yeah. it. I guess. I, well, we, we I, see from the yeah, very ahead, beginning, the creature spits out anything that's not organic. That's that's the keys and, and all of that. No, no, no. What I mean is at the end, it becomes like this very elegant looking like flower thing with like a green box that like flat pulses. It's, it's uh, a cross between apart, a right? jellyfish and a Venus flytrap. It's a jelly trap. Right. But why? You've, have you been waiting an hour to drop that, Patrick? 
I've been waiting a while. Yes, it's a jelly yeah. trap. You, you oh, had jelly the jelly trap. Had jelly trap yeah. in your back but pocket. See, I, and you're I think like, that, speak, that speaks even more to the point that that Alan brought up about the hubris. Like it's it's not just that we're gonna try to exploit and control things that are of our world. You know, we're gonna try to exploit and control and think we can exploit and control things that that are completely foreign to the world and and don't. But we don't know anything about like this creature, you know, we, we, yeah, we yeah. don't know anything about this creature. Like it's, and we it's, should not do that. It. Right. We should not do well, that. Then, then, right? In like that it's, case, it's, I almost would want Em and OJ to, to, to have lost or like she just runs away because like but, they do control and win against it. But I think, I think the film at the end is kind of gesturing towards a happy ending, but only in kind of what you would expect in a fake, fakey Hollywood Western. Yeah. You know, like that, that, that that's where it is. And I don't know, in a way, Rich, maybe Jordan Peele would be really good. That would be, would feel really happy that you're so perturbed by like, by wanting to understand kind of the functioning of the creature. And he's like, but dude, the point is we can't like, we, we want to pretend that we can. And these, you know, they, they kind of cobbled together the best they could, but in the end, mm-hmm. like they still don't understand the creature. We don't. I mean, I yeah. guess. I mean, I would be happy to not ask these questions in my head. You know, I'd be happy to right. not want to. I hear you. But throughout the film, you know, you are sort of awarded for asking these questions. Like you would say, we're back at the beginning when Jupe is like buying horses, and he gets nervous when he starts asking about you know buying them back and stuff. And then you realize later, it's like you're rewarded for remembering that and it kind of clicking. You know. Yeah, and like you said, the horse was smart enough to realize don't go out of the box because the creature is only power- powerful enough to do that or whatever. Like, you know, I don't think the film yeah. gets to say, hey, think about some stuff, but not about other stuff. Well, the best part you know? of the film might very well be that if we're right and Peel trusts viewers more than, you know, Patrick thinks he should, the, this would be a good place upon which to kind of stick a landing for the show is that like, we don't necessarily agree about it. And I think Peel might be okay with that. 